12 Ghosts is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised. The night is darkening round me. The wild winds coldly blow. But a tyrant spell has bound me. And I cannot, cannot go. Speaking of the devil, this should be interesting. Is that carolers? Ah, So it would seem. Do you normally get carolers out here? Not all at once. There's no one out there. Must have been carried in on the wind from elsewhere. Hard to believe they're up to any good with the hymn they're singing. Traditionally, Wessellers would demand something in return for the carols they sang, and could get quite rowdy if they didn't receive their due. Well, we're beyond harm here. Perhaps we'll receive an explanation shortly. Ah, and there it is. Come in, then. We've been expecting you. Though from the look on your face, I can't imagine you've been expecting us. Who are you? Why did you bring us here? I'm afraid I had no hand in bringing you here, my dear. Then you're not... one of them? The carolers? You heard them! Perhaps you'd like to sit. Tom... Oh, God, Tom! Tom will be fine. Sit. Take a breath, a drink, and then tell us what you heard. Sarah disappeared back in 89. All I remember feeling back then was how the whole thing ruined Christmas. I would have been almost six, I think. That sounds right, because Sarah was nine when it happened, and we were a little more than three years apart. Kids are all self-centered like that, so I don't beat myself up for having had those thoughts at the time. Somerville was having an unusually cold winter. Dad had the news on all week. Blasting forecast updates at such a loud volume, you could hear it in every corner of the house. There was some kind of front coming through that was predicted to bring in a lot of snow in the days following Christmas. There was concern that it could come in earlier and screw up holiday travel. So Dad was following the news like a bloodhound on a scent trail, trying to determine if this would affect our two-mile drive to Granny's house for Christmas dinner. He had the fireplace going, poking the logs with misplaced anxiety, 
as Mom rough-cut celery in the kitchen for stuffing to take to Granny's. I listened to the sound of her knife in repetition against the cutting board as I flipped through a highlights magazine I'd read a hundred times already. Sarah was lying on the sofa with Harvey, our salt-and-pepper schnauzer, and was busying herself with tugging at the fuzz on the quilt that hung over the back of the couch. She was bored out of her mind and trying to stay out of the kitchen so as not to get recruited by Mom. I must have dozed off at some point because I stirred suddenly at the sound of the front door closing, pinching off the howl of the wind and Harvey's high whine from the porch. Sarah must have taken him out to relieve himself. That's what ended up in the police report anyway. But I can still to this day swear that I recall some other sound being tossed about on the wind beyond the pounding of my own heartbeat in my ears that was pulling me back into sleep. The static on the TV, the electric buzz of the Christmas lights. Something low and sad, like a hymn, sung from mere air but strong enough yet to steal a sister. I've been pricking my ears for it for almost 30 years. It was the way she looked at me when I told her. My mother. She was happy, but there was something else there, too. A kind of worry, maybe? All mothers worry for their daughters, especially when they become mothers themselves. I hoped that was all it was. Tom said she was probably thinking about Sarah, and I suppose that makes sense. I thought about Sarah, too. What must it feel like to lose a child? It was hard on my mom. There were so many cops and investigators and reporters and fucking busybodies buzzing around for months on end when none of us could even give ourselves permission to grieve because there was no body. Only questions. Where's Sarah? What happened to Sarah? Where did she go when Emily heard her slip out with Harvey on Christmas Eve in the great snowstorm of 89? Dad buried himself in dad shit. Spent more time working, more time cutting grass, grilling hamburgers. Work, work, work. Provide, provide. Tom would never act like that. That toxic masculinity. He'd cry. He'd go to therapy with me. We'd let ourselves come undone. And come back together stronger. Instead of turning into robots like mom and dad did. But thinking about how we'd grieve the baby Tom and I might hypothetically lose someday made me want to know more about how Mom and Dad actually lost theirs. So I made the decision that it was finally time Mom and I talked about the thing we absolutely don't. They made me sign a death certificate. Did you know that? Mom said. I hadn't known and I just shook my head at her. I could have said no, 
kept on their asses to keep up the investigation. But Sarah wasn't gonna just show up back in our lives after eight years and everything go back to normal. It'd be stupid for me to keep hoping we could be a normal family, so I signed it. The truth, M, is that I knew she was gone forever that very same night. I think I knew it before I called for you girls to go brush your teeth and no one answered. The storm was just like last time, only when it was my sister and we didn't have my daddy around to blame. Your sister? I asked her. I didn't have any aunts on my mom's side. I know you think I'm an only child, Emily, but your granny had another little girl, Jeanette, before me. I never knew her, or I only vaguely remember her. I was a toddler when she went missing. Went missing? I blurted out. You had a sister that went missing like Sarah? Why have you never told me this? Did you tell the police? Why would I tell the police? What would they have to do with one another? Jeanette disappeared almost 30 years before Sarah. That'd be an awfully ineffective serial killer, Em. If you ask me, a tendency for wandering just runs in our family, and coyotes run in our woods. Okay, well... You said the storm was just like last time. What do you mean it was like last time? Well, back in 61, we had a mess of a blizzard like in 89. Starting on the solstice and running up through Christmas Eve, the day she went missing. Real bad wind and several feet of snow in just a few days. Daddy had finally killed himself with all the drinking the year before. So we had been on our own as far as money for a little less than a year. Mama told me she was busy sewing pageant gowns for extra cash in the back room when Jeanette must have slipped out. Mama tells me that she had the radio on next to her sewing and still thought she heard carolers singing hymns out in the storm. I can't believe anybody would be stupid enough to be out in that mess. That must be what got Jeanette out of bed, though, instead of going to sleep and waiting for Santa. When Mom finished, I felt strange. It was a lot to take in. But what I really couldn't get past was the smallest thing of all. That Granny had thought she heard singing over her sewing. I had almost forgotten I'd been half asleep when Sarah slipped out onto the porch, so when I thought I heard that howling hymn tangled in the wind, it was easy to sort it into the dream side of my consciousness. Now, here was a waking woman, not only hearing the same sounds I'd heard, but she was down one daughter, just as I was a sister. Mom maybe wouldn't allow herself to see the connection, but for me, I could only feel haunted. Haunted.
Mom had made one connection between the two events, though. You know, Em, you better hope Tom isn't as useless as your dad was. Or mine, for that matter. If my dad had been around instead of drinking himself into an early death, Mama wouldn't have been spending her Christmas Eve and most every night doing odd jobs to keep us fed and in nice clothes for school. Not all women could have bank accounts in their name back then, you know. We had handfuls of cash hidden away in coffee cans and cookie jars and under the mattress. Thank the Lord we were never robbed. I'm sorry, Mom. And if your father wasn't such a worthless piece of shit that actually lifted a finger to help with anything around the house enough to notice when his own daughter was trying to go out in a damn blizzard. Mom, it's okay. I know you're always going to be mad at Dad for that. I get it. You don't need to worry about Tom, though. He's a good man. <laughs> He's so excited about this baby. He's going to be a great father and be an equal partner. You'll see. I want you to be excited for us. He can take care of us. He makes great money. We'll never want for anything. But that's how it always is for women, isn't it, Emily? The man pays the bill... But the woman pays the price. I was about four months along on the first day of winter when the local weatherman announced the blizzard that I already knew within my bones was coming. I stayed up late the next few nights waiting for them, listening camped out on the glider in the baby's room, rocking myself like a baby, rocking our baby in the womb. They can't take her while she's inside me. Not this year. But every year they come, someone's baby isn't safe. And as every woman knows, if any one of us aren't free, none of us are. The sound came on Christmas Eve, low and moaning. It was not unlike the wind itself, but with a rhythm offbeat from the chaos of nature. Tom went to bed annoyed that I had stayed up again, unwilling to function as his teddy bear when I wasn't tired. So he didn't hear the front door cracking open like a seal, or the low moans coalescing into song, or the wife and baby disappearing into snow, like static on the TV. Outside was all sound. Wind buffeting the hood of my coat against my ears and carrying the song down the road where I could just make out a group of shadowy human forms, all holding dim candles that refused to even flicker in the violence of the wind. They moved as one down the road that led toward the fields at the edge of town, 
What should I do, then? But follow. The longer I followed, the more order I found within the sound. It wasn't so much a song as a chant uttered low and slow, overlapping and round as no mouth that spoke it started or ended in the same place, building into a hypnotic, stuttering spell that suddenly spun its dark magic into being when a neighbor's door cracked open and out peeked a child. I didn't recognize the girl, but she couldn't have been older than Sarah. The figures didn't move toward her. They merely continued on down the road as the girl turned to follow. I decided to wait to intervene. Maybe I could save her somehow and also figure out what they've been doing with all of these missing girls and then stop them. The candle flames held steady all the way to the edge of town where Somerville's wheat field lay barren. That apparent barrenness gave away immediately what was wrong about the place. A large pit dug into the center of the field, the deep recess of it emitting a warm, fiery glow, much like that from the ever-burning candles. The child was drawn to the warmth like a moth, and there was a stillness within it that promised refuge from the tattering wind. I knew nothing good could come from following her down the rickety stick ladder to stand beside the pyre, but at the very same moment, our daughter gave me the faintest kick from inside her own refuge, and I made up my mind. Down inside the pit, I could no longer hear the wind, but instead could now make out the moaning chant from the men surrounding us from above. It lapped like waves going round and round the circle. The girl seemed drowsy as she listened to the swirl of noise droning above her. I noticed my own daughter had ceased stirring. But I, very much still aware, had picked up the scent of gasoline in the straw beneath our feet, and before my brain had even fully formed the wholeness of what was about to happen, I was lunging for that neighbor's daughter just as the ladder was kicked away from the wall and into the pyre. Everything seemed to happen in slow motion. The hooded figures dropped their candles into the pit, and flames descended hungrily to feast upon the straw below. Fire erupted like the pages of a children's pop-up book, instant and exciting. Coloring the whiteness of the storm world, it hurt to look at almost as badly as it hurt to be held by it. The flames wasted no time enveloping my body creeping under clothing and tearing at my hair. The cruelest touches from hands as soft as air. I'd have lost myself in it if the child hadn't screamed. 
Without thought, I ran to her and hoisted her up as if she were made of feathers, shifting her up and over me toward the edge of the pit until I had no purchase on her but the sole of her shoe against my palm as I jumped and thrust her upward with one final push. It was just enough for her to drag her flaming body the rest of the way out to be extinguished by the violent wind and disappear into it. I was still burning as I wrested the ladder from the pyre to try and save myself, and maybe it would have held just long enough for me to make it out, if not for Tom, my hero come to rescue me. A man made of flames and pain and stupidity and strength and weakness and trying and failure and love and death. M was all he could get out as the fire stole his very breath and then claimed his lungs, too. I didn't run. Didn't try to stop him. I just stood there, burning. As I watched this man, I truly do love come hurtling toward me with so much intention and not enough thought waiting for him to kill me with his love. And he did. Tom hit me like a bull with his body. Maybe he thought he could shield me from what was happening all around us, take it all himself, but we were both more burn than skin by then. His instinct to protect turned his body into a tomb for me, for us. And we died needlessly in the dirt, in pain and pressure under the anvil of his crushing need to be our savior. The fire didn't hurt nearly as bad as the weight of what it means to be a woman. With me died any knowledge of the carolers. They got my baby after all. And they'll take someone else's too. Some white night before Christmas, when the wind howls loud and carries a song soft and low through the snow, another young girl will be lured to her doom when the voices of men promise her safety in a storm, warm and stable in an uncertain world, and then use her for kindling. Good God. <laughs> Hardly. Did Tom pass this way before me? I'm afraid not, dear. Though I imagine we'll see him before dawn. Perhaps you can rest while you wait for his arrival. Perhaps. This key unlocks the sixth door on the left up the stairs. I think you'll find it quite quiet up there. That sounds perfect. Thank you. I don't know what the rules are here. 
but I'd avoid strange music coming from the dark, given the storm. Yes, I think I'll stay indoors, where it's quiet. Good night to you both. Good night. Sleep well, my dear. I'll guide Tom up to you when he arrives. Thank you. The carolers. Who were they? I do not know, Annabelle. If they are living men, then they will one day die, and I'll ask them. Something tells me, though, they'll never pass this way. But there is so much night left ahead of us. Perhaps someone will come with a happier tale. Is that likely? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Twelve Ghosts, starring Malcolm McDowell as The Innkeeper and Gina Rakiki as Annabelle. Episode 6, Low and Sad Like a Hymn, written by Elena Huff-Tucker, with additional writing by Nicholas Tukoski. Editing by Chris Childs and Stephen Perez, featuring Tara Oakes as Emily. Directed by Nicholas Tukoski. Original score and sound design by Chris Childs. Executive Producers Aaron Mankey, Matt Frederick, Alexander Williams, and Nicholas Tukoski. Supervising Producer Josh Thane. Producers Chris Childs and Stephen Perez. Casting by Sunday Bowling CSA and Meg Mormon CSA. Production Coordinator Wayna Calderon. Recorded at Lantern Audio in Atlanta, Georgia. Engineered by Chris Gardner. Eros Sound and Recording in Ojai, California. Engineered by Ken Eros. 12 Ghosts was created by Nicholas Tukoski and is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Learn more about the show at grimandmild.com and find more podcasts from iHeartRadio by visiting the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.